Welcome back to Officially Unofficial. I'm your host, the former face of junior college baseball, the fall American Johnny Junta. And ladies and gentlemen, we got him. He is the 75th ranked prospect in all of baseball. Is that good? And the number two ranked prospect for the Toronto Blue Jays. It is my pleasure to welcome Jordan Groshans to the Officially Unofficial podcast. What is up, Jordan? Hi, how y'all doing? I'm having a good time up here in Rochester, so... Hell yeah, man. Rochester, the underrated part of the United States of America, man. Thank you for doing this. I appreciate it. Yeah, of course. And let's go right into it because I wanted to start a narrative here at the start of the episode because this year there's no minor league season. Can we say that you would have made the Futures game this year? Yes. Yeah. Okay. For so sure. We'll, so we could start that narrative that technically you have a Futures game under your belt. So that, that, that's what I'm trying to start here. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, and, and, and being a guy that's a Jays fan, man, the media has just been stroking you off. They just love Jordan Groshans as much as I do. But like I said, man, talk, give a little background on yourself here. Who's Jordan Groshans? What, what, what do you do for fun? Uh, so I have a brother. He's 22. Um, went to the University of Kansas. He's with the Red Sox. Um, I'm from Magnolia, Texas. Uh, Pretty much, that's about it. Not, not a whole lot to me. Uh, I like to hit baseballs, um, obviously, and <laughs> I like to go hunting. So those are that, some things that I kind of do. So that is as Texas as it gets, my man. I yeah. mean, when, yeah. when, when when us Canadians think of Texas, it's baseball, Friday night lights, and hunting and dip. Obviously, dip. You got to mix a chew in every once in a while down there. So what, what what's the transition been like for you, man? Being a Texas guy playing for the like Toronto Blue Jays, playing for the minor league systems that are more closer to Canada? It actually has been really good, you know, because you get that kind of the cultural difference, you know, getting the experience stuff that you don't – you wouldn't think about. You know what I mean? You, you got to realize, like, you can go to any any hat shop, collector shop, whatever it may be, and you can get a Tigers, Yankees, any team like that, but it's hard to get a Blue Jays apparel, you know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah. Um, but then when you go to the other side, when I was up in Toronto, like that's all that's up there because that's the team, you know. Yeah. So I like the fact that it's not it's not just one city that's behind you. It's the whole country that's behind you. You know what I mean? So, yeah, it's big. I like it a lot. Yeah, no. And I'm a big Jays guy, as you could tell. I don't know if you saw the videos of me uh, for a friend of the program, Nate Pearson, when he made his debut, I was uh, yeah. having a beer for every strikeout he had. So I was a little bit intoxicated. I'll be honest. Hand up. It was yeah. tall boys by accident. And while we're recording this, the Toronto Blue Jays are 22 and 18 in second place. Just absolutely buzzing. This is me talking to the haters. Hopefully the Jays are doing this good when this drops next week. This is me talking to the haters. You guys are morons for roasting me saying the Jays aren't going to be good. The Jays are an absolute wagon this year. And they're going to be a wagon when Jordan gets called up. So let's talk about the Jays team right now. What have you seen from the Toronto Blue Jays team coming out of the gate, second place in a playoff spot? You know, they're a good team, man. Um, we still have a long, long way to go. You know, there's always there's always room to improve. But the I think the team chemistry is there. You know, um, all the guys, it's all, it's all towards one goal, you know, and there's no separation, anything like that. And, and me being with all these other guys at the training site, like the alternate one or whatever, we hear lots of good things about stuff that's going on up there. So it's good to hear that, that we have a team that's, that's pushing towards one goal and, and man, they're a wrecking ball, you know? So I think they're, they're a team to mess with. And I think if, if we really get going and really get hot, it, it's over, you know? So 
um, I'm excited to see what this team can do and, and, and do for the future. So it's going to be big. And here's a question that I ask all the Jays guys. I asked this to Anthony Bass. I asked this to Nate. Can you guarantee me a spot on the parade float with you when the Jays win the World Series in a couple of years? Can you guarantee me a spot? Maybe, maybe I'll be your plus one. Oh, 100%. There it is. And see, and this is what I said to the guys, right? Every time a fan throws you guys a beer, I'll, I'll take one for the team so you guys aren't too drunk celebrating. So that's what I'm saying. I could be Jordan Groshan's plus one at this parade boat, and I'm looking forward to it, man. I mean, have, has a part of you kind of looked at that Jays roster, not even including you, and just said this team is going to be scary hours in the next couple of years? Because I have multiple times. Oh, for sure. Even – even before I got drafted, you know, seeing the the youth they had with Pearson, Bichette, everybody moving up, Guerrero, Biggio. Um, this just – it's a young core. It's a young movement. And I think that not a lot of people understand how much it goes beyond – I know when, when Biggio moved up and, and, and Bichette and Guerrero moved up and Pearson, that those were like the guys. You know, that's everybody. Everybody in minor league baseball knew who those guys were. Yeah. And what's cool to me is – Everybody in the Blue Jays and everybody in Miami baseball knows who those guys are. But being a Blue Jays player, like there's so many more people that we have that are unreal athletes, you know, oh. all, all the way down, you know. So it's not just when people say, oh, we have a good, like the next wave is coming up. Like, yes, but th- there's another wave after that and another wave after that, you know. So um, the youth movement in this organization for its future is huge. And there's one guy, man, I tweeted about him today. I called him Thick Jesus. He goes by the name of Alejandro Kirk. How disgusting is this guy at the game of baseball? I watch his highlights, and I'm low, like, there's, I might have a rock, I might have a hard on when I'm watching this guy play. He mashes baseballs. What's Alejandro like? So, I got to, I got to play with him my first year in Bluefield, and my second year in Lansing last year, um, before he got moved up or whatever. And I've been at the site with him this whole time, and. Great kid, obviously great teammate, great clubhouse presence, but they call him Babe Ruth for a reason. You know, the kid <laughs> I, I, I don't see the kid strike out. And the only time he strikes out, I, I question the call. You know, like I'm like, mm, you know, and I'm on defense. You know, I'm I'm, I'm we, we play sim games and he's on the opposite team and I'm supposed to be rooting against him at the same time. I'm like, mm. so um he's just one of those players, man, that like he plays the game the right way, you know consistent consistent barrel hard contact but at the end of the day like he's the guy that you want in your clubhouse you know so i love him to death um great dude great kid so i'm excited to see what the future has for him for sure and and he is it's actually insane because i've talked to guys that played against some of the minors and they said the one thing that's really cool about him is like really sick about him is how good he is defensively like you would never think a guy of that size is that good defensively? And his pop time apparently is just insane. It's ridiculous. So, what is he like defensively, though? Like, does he do, is, does a ball just never go past this guy? So I think a lot of misconception with him is people see his body and they think he can't move, he can't do this. That's where they're wrong. And, and that's where it's hard. Like, you see all these people, you know, all these – all these fans on Twitter and stuff like that, the, the haters is what, what we call them, whatever, that, that hate on the body. Oh, he needs to lose weight. Like, this kid is one of the most flexible people I've met, one of the most mobile people I've met, and he does things behind the plate that just people don't do, you know. And yeah. 
I think what makes him a special player is he's a very, very smart player. You know, he knows the game. He knows what to do in certain situations. And I think that's what helps him thrive. And I know all the guys up top love him, you know. So, um, defensively, he he knows what he's done. So Yeah. No, dude, he's just a freak, man. And then speaking of the alternate site, you guys have my guy there, a guy by the name of Kevin Smith. How's Kevin doing down there? Is he buzzing or what? Yeah, Kevin's doing really well. Um, I've been being a younger guy. He's obviously has more experience than me. I've been learning a lot from him um, defensively, hitting stuff like that. So um, kick and play, you know. And and I think one thing that's good about this site is everybody, not just Kevin. Uh, you got Austin Martin, new guy, uh, Manila, really good. Everybody's just kind of we're we're gelling, you know, we're like this, you know. Yeah. So it's not. I feel like at a lot of these sites, you know, you got these guys that are you know, they get pissed off because they, they want to be in the big leagues. But at the same time, like at our place, like we're, we're so tight that everybody's one guy gets called up. We're not, uh, who's that guy? You know, why is he going up? It's, Hey, go, go do work, go help this team win. You know? So, um, I think Kevin's a big part of that. You know, he brings a good attitude to the clubhouse every day and, and, and balls his ass off. So, yeah. um, I love the dude, so great guy. Yeah, he's such a beauty, man. And let, let's go on the most important thing, man. How are you been doing? Because like I said, man, I'm, I'm going to read your stats here after this question. You just demolish baseballs for a living. It makes me uncomfortable because your batting average in for Lansing was double my batting average at junior college. So let's go into your stats right now. What have you – how's the alternate site been treating you? Uh, really good. You know, um, the way that I viewed this was – I got hurt last year, so I missed some time. Everything's obviously – I'm good now. Don't have to worry about that. But, you know, missed a lot of ABs last year. So, for me, this this experience is from the start, how, how much better can I be as a player by the end of it? You know, don't – I think when I went up to Toronto, I tried to do too much, you know, and I yeah. had some failure a little bit against those big-level guys. But at the same time, going from low A to the big leagues, facing – Facing guys in low A was nothing. You know, it was getting up, eating breakfast. You know what I mean? It's, it's nothing. <laughs> you know, I feasted off that stuff. So, but then you go from that and you go to the big leagues and you got to realize that like things that you dominate in low A with and that I can, I can do every day, you can't do in the big leagues. And that's something I learned within the first week, you know? Yeah. And so for me, going as soon as we got here at Rochester – I basically sat down with the hitting guy, our hitting coordinator, great guy, and was like, I want to become the best hitter I can be and make adjustments to big league level pitching so that next year going into high double A, wherever I go, it's a breeze. Not a breeze, but it's it takes that that pressure off me, you know, going into that not having that experience. So what would but, you say? What would you say is the biggest difference from like low A pitching to like let's to facing Ryu? Like, is it just the location of their pitches and how they can literally paint every single corner on the in the strike zone? I think in low A, you get the pitchers get the scouting reports on the hitters, and I think in low A they fail to make payoff pitches. I think they make a lot of mistakes when they're ahead in the count. That when you're when I was up in Toronto, th there's no mistakes. You know, <laughs> if it yeah. is, yeah. if you don't hit it, you're 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 fucked. <laughs> yeah, and that's 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 the only way to say it, you know. Um, 
you got guys like I faced Ryu, had a really good at bat. I think it was like 11, 12 pitch at bat against him. And then he threw his, his, his like slur ball, his curveball that he threw. Yeah, and it's like, dude. he goes, he throws fastball, fastball, slider, change up, change up, gets me chasing, gets me chasing. And then he knows that he has me beat. And he knows that he can throw this pitch. And no matter what what mindset approach I'm in, I'm going to swing this pitch, you know. And I think that's the biggest thing from Loe to the big leagues is – and they also, they go in. You know, Loe, it's my first two years so far, everything, they, they like to pound the outside part of the plate, you know. So, for me, I get in and I drive that pitch. And big leagues, they go in, out, up, down, wherever they want, and, and, and they get you. So, you just got to be ready to make that adjustment. I would say every pitch, you know. Yeah. Who who would you say is like the hardest guy you play you played against during that? I guess spring training two point like the best pitcher where you're in the batter's box and you're like this guy's stuff is just falling off a table. Like I'm 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 gonna be in a pitching ninja meme right now. Um. Obviously Ryu or Ryu, however you say it. Yeah. Um, he was really good, but you know that's expected. But I'm gonna go with Ryan Barucki. Um, really. He. Great dude, by the way. Love him to death. He's electric. You know, he's got that mound, that presence, good movement, um, every everything you want in a left-handed pitcher. So, but I think honestly, for me, uh, I'll say it to anybody who asks me. I don't care what anybody says. The hardest pitcher for me to hit's Joey Murray. Joey Murray, really? Joey Murray. Um, the dude's just—he's going to be a big leaguer for a long time. A long time. <laughs> Dude, you're making me want to run through a brick wall just naming all these dude, prospects, man. Dude, I love he's, it. He's, he's a guy. He's a guy for sure. Would, would, you, would you compare him to like Jordan Romano, like a guy that just kind of came out of nowhere and just absolutely carving major league hitters? Yes. Um, and I think what makes him so good is the fact that he's so consistent with it. You know, um, I've faced him – probably 30 times since I've been here and it's, it's always a battle, you know, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And he's just one of those guys where he hides the ball really well. He's got the velo running up on you. Um, his spin rate is ridiculous. Um, and I think, I think he's a guy that, you know, how some guys get called up pitchers and they, they, they take a couple outings to settle in and get comfortable. Yeah. I, I think he goes in and dominates clowns. Off the Jeez. bat, you know, we love to, you. Love to hear that. You, I think Blue Jays fans, you, everybody will see. Uh, I'll tell the media, anybody that I think that kid next year is going to clown people. I, I I'll, I'll put everything on it. So, just a <laughs> walking pitching ninja video, man. I, you love that. You love to see that. And let's go into this for you, man, because obviously a guy like you who was nasty out of high school, just a na- nasty baseball player, since you were probably able to walk. When did you kind of realize, like, I have the potential to make it to the major leagues and be a big, a big time prospect and a big time player at the at the highest level? I think honestly, once I got here, um, I think going through my first two years in pro ball, I had a lot of, I had a lot of success. Um, so I had that mindset where I feel like I didn't really. I worked on things, but I felt like everything that I was doing was going to work all the way up the system. And that's not true. So now that I've gotten here and I've made adjustments and I've been doing well, I think now that I'm here, you get that taste of you're, cause you're literally a hundred miles away. Like we're really an hour and a half of the big leagues. Yeah. Um, and 
So you just get that taste and you get that hunger for it. And I think being around these veteran guys, being around that, that constant coaching every day for, for the big league level, like it's, it's made me realize that, man, I can play this game for a long time if I do it the right way. Yeah. So. No, man. It's just like, it, it, and I'll, I'll read some of your stats here. I mean, last year, is this good? Uh, Jays fans, 337 average last year. I mean, some may say that's good. Sources may say that's good. And the year before, 331. Year before, 296. Just a guy that destroys baseballs for a living, man. So let's go into pumping your tires here because this is what we do on this podcast. We stroke our guests off. Let, what was the furthest home run you had last year? Make me want to run through a brick wall. Let's go into the setting. Let's talk about the biggest nuke you ever hit. All right. Um, Lansing. Uh, South, it was against the Southman Cubs at home. I can't remember the pitcher's name, but me and this dude went at it. You know, every time I faced him, it was, it was like a, it was a grind, you know? So, um, we we're at home, it was a tie ball game. And I remember our hitting coordinator was there and my first at bat, I hit like, a, it was like an O2 count slider away. I, I hit like the ball off and scored a run or whatever. Like, I don't know how the hell I hit it. Um, and then I faced them next time. And I told my hanging corner, and I was like, he's he's throwing me soft away, but I was like, he's he wants to make that presence in. And I was like, I feel like that's a mistake for him, you know. So he he's telling me he was like, if you get in that advantage count, he said, gear up and don't miss it. So he he threw me a slider away and then another slider away. So I got 2-0. And I literally looked at him. Like you can see it in the video. I looked at my hitting corner and I smiled because I knew I was like, I'm I'm, <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm I said, I'm getting this pitch right here. And I said, the catcher i was like don't fucking miss it you know if he throws it <laughs> do not miss it i caught every inch of this baseball 96 up and in just um, hit this baseball a very long way so and it was one of those things where the outcome was very it was nice you know because i knew i knew what my plan was i knew the pitch that i was sitting on the location of it and being able to ex uh, the home run was great it was cool it was hit a long way but being able to take that plan from the dugout to the batter's box or from the dugout to the on-deck circle to the batter's box and be able to execute that, that's the best feeling. You know, that's what, that's what makes some money right there. It's nice. That is just the, the fact that your hitting coordinator just obviously knows you're an absolute dog. And you look at him and you say, I hate to be that guy, but this ball's getting sent to Toronto. Like that is just the biggest, like the big dick energy shit right there. That's the shit that fans just love to see, man. And talking about Lansing, because Kevin told a couple of electric stories from Lansing. The first one, I don't know if you were a part of this, but it was like sorority night, and the Michigan State girls came down on all the blue, all the all the Lansing boys were just wheeling and dealing. You love to see it. Did that happen down there with you when you were? Because I know you were a year after Kevin was there. Um, not really, because I think the majority of the time I was there, it was cold as balls. Yeah, you know, so we only had hold on real quick. We only had a couple couple people but um yeah it was it was cold you know so we we had the we had the majority of fans that came that were just grinders you know that sat and 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 went through the, the cold but there there wasn't no there wasn't too many girls you know I had my girlfriend at the time yeah yeah come obviously. up there and all that stuff yeah. but um no it was a great place to be man you know that's that's one spot that that everybody told me before I went there, like you, you, Vancouver was number one. They said Vancouver was a place you got experienced. I didn't do that. And then they said Lansing. So that's one place for me that I was really, really excited for. Um, and being able to spend some time there was awesome. You know, Dude, it's it. just, it's, 
It's crazy. And by the way, like not to pump my own tires here, get me going a little bit here, but Lansing Lugnuts are fans of the show. I mean, Lansing Lugnuts tweeted at us. I started a little Twitter feud between the Blue Jays and the Lansing Lugnuts by accident. But anyways, I'm a big Lansing Lugnuts guy, thanks to Kevin Smith. And he put up crazy numbers there too, but your numbers there are just bananas, man. So can we start the narrative that the more north you get, the better you get at hitting? Because just looking at these stats from you, man, I mean, 337 or whatever, and you just mashed baseballs. It's crazy for you to adjust to the cold hitting. Well, how hard was it for you to hit in the cold, man? Because for me, it was insanely hard. I think the biggest thing is overcoming the fact that it's cold. Um, You know, so going out of spring training, being hot as balls in Florida, um, everybody's mindset when they go out there is, man, it's it's cold, it's cold, it's cold. I don't know, like, they go up to the – you can see hitters. You know, their their mindsets are – Oh man, if I can just get one, like me, I said, fuck that, you know, I'm going to go in there and, and I put, I, I'm, I never really use bat grip, but yeah. I put, I started using lizard skin. So if I got jammed, it wouldn't hurt as bad. And I told everybody, I was like, man, I'm just going to, I'm going to go grip it and rip it, you know? Cause at the same time, like hitters, hitters don't like hitting in the cold, but you got to think of the flip side. Pitchers don't like throwing it either, you know? Yeah. So at the same time, they're, they're beat before they even get on the mound. So you're already one step ahead. So the more that the players and the hitters bitched about it being cold, the worse that they were going to do. So I just told my dad, I said, man, I'm going to go up there and grip it and rip it. You know, I'm going to – I think my swing percentage on a first-pitch fastball was 84%. Holy shit. I mean, I'm not a stats guy, but that that number is just bananas, man. And let's go into the off-field stuff, man, because there, we, there, we've heard a ton of funny stories in this podcast of fans, just broken down buses, whatever – what would you say is your funniest minor league story as of right now? Uh, I remember we were in Cedar Rapids or Grand Rapids, wherever it was, and it was snowing and it was cold, um, and our game got delayed. And for me, so I'm this is this is good for me because I'm from Texas. You know, I don't experience snow, so it's absolutely just downpouring snow, and we get we get stuck at this mall. We can't go anywhere, um, and so we're inside. We're eating food or whatever. Next thing you know, we're outside having a fucking snowball fight at three o'clock in the afternoon in the parking lot. You know, like, and our, our pitching corner is like, yo, like, y'all need to relax. Like, you can't be, and we're just going at it. You know, we got kids hiding behind the bus doing 360s, you know, jump throws. <laughs> but, you know, that, that was a cool experience for me, not being, being able to see snow very much and then going up there and, and having a good time with it, you know. So, um, <laughs> that's one of those things where it was like, man, like, Pro ball ain't too bad. You know, like there's still it, it's a business, it's a grind, you know, every day is tough, but at the same time, like you still get to be a little kid, you know. So that was the best minor league experience for me so far. Dude, man, that's I mean, that's just electric. You just love to see that, especially being from Texas, man. I mean, what what was it like for you growing up in Texas? Because obviously you never really see snow. Like, was that like a thought in your head that other places experience snow from november to march for me it was you know growing up it's it's hot year round you know i live in i live in the woodlands like near houston so in december it's 85 you know and it's one of those things where i've always i told my dad i was like man the one thing about pro ball is i'm gonna get to travel and and one thing about toronto was when i looked into it with lansing with new hampshire i was like they have a lot of affiliates buffalo that they're gonna have snow you know and 
for me, I was like, that's awesome, you know, and being able to experience that is, it's badass, you know, and, and for me, like a lot of people are like, dude, it's snow, it's whatever, but for me, like, that's lit, you know, like that's, yeah. it's cool, you know, like, I don't, I'm used to horses at heat, you know, so. Yeah, no, it, it's definitely crazy, man, because I played with a couple guys from Vegas, and when they were playing in Nebraska, and they would see snow, like their eyes would light up, and I'd be like, holy shit, I thought I got away from this stuff. But it's yeah. just it's it's crazy just seeing the reaction for people that have never seen snow before, man. It's honestly cool just to kind of think about it and all that kind of stuff. And let's go into again back to Lansing for a second because I, I'm just so fascinated with Lansing or just the fans and all that kind of stuff. It did you also get to hear legends and stories about what Vladdy's done down there? Because I I can just imagine all the fans talking about like Vladdy hit a ball off the 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 building in left field or anything like that. I think it was it was a lot of Vlad, but there was a lot of stories about the, the, the damage that Bo did, you know? Um, and that was actually one of my mindsets was whenever I went up there, everybody was like, man, this kid destroyed Lansing. And so for me, I was like, I want to do better. You know, I want to yeah. go up there and I want to, I want to do as good or better than he did, you know? And they were telling me stories of him, like going five for five, four for six, two bombs, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> so I was like, man, I'm really going to have to do something right here. So, um, yeah, you know, Lansing is, it's just, it's a great place to be, you know, people that haven't been there, they don't realize the atmosphere at that ballpark. It's It's awesome. You know, Dude, you got the Jersey nights, all that stuff. Yeah, no, it's definitely amazing, man. Like I just, I just love the small town minor league stuff and I love the fans and being a guy as big of a prospect as you, man, the spotlight's always on you. What's the funniest thing that a fan has ever said to you? So in Lansing, there was a fly ball on the third baseline, and I went and I caught it, and I, I called my buddy off, uh, Nick Pogko. I don't know if you've had him on yeah, here or not. No, but no, no. Called him off, and I go over there, and there's these college guys. And this is one of the nights that it was like it wasn't too cold, so we had some college – mostly guys come out or whatever. And th- these guys were just destroyed, you know, <laughs> the whole game. You know, they're, they're, they're talking shit to both teams at this point. And – I go over and I catch them on my back and they're like, Hey, and I'm like, what's up? And they're like, they paid you way too much money. <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was like, well, and usually I don't roast back, but I was like, yeah, that was good. And he, he was chirping me the whole game. And, and at this point, my girlfriend was there and, and girlfriend at the time. And she, uh, she was sitting there and, and they're like, man, and they're like, you got a good looking girlfriend, but she's going to leave you after this performance. Like this, is not, <laughs> like, yo, like take it easy, you know, but it's, it's fun. You know, I love that part of the game, you know, coming from high school, I never really got the college environment of getting heckled. You know, it was always, you know, got the high school cheerleaders, football players, you know, they're always yeah. like, yeah, like whatever. Um, so being able to get heck, I loved it. You know, I loved hearing what people had to say, but I got the, the bonus baby, the, you got paid too much the girlfriend chirps, all that stuff. So it, uh, it, it was fun. It was a good time. Dude, and, and and I forgot to mention this, obviously, in the start of the podcast because there's so many accomplishments that you already have, and you've only been – you're not even in the big big leagues that you've already had a ton of accomplishments. Your first-round draft pick, humble brag, not a big deal, which, like you said, includes a massive signing bonus. We won't talk about another man's money on this podcast. What was the dumbest thing you've ever purchased with that signing bonus? Oh, man. Uh, um, you're gonna have to give me a minute for that one. Or what was the first uh, thing you bought? What, why, or not the not, or like the biggest purchase? I guess I bought uh, the. So the biggest and dumbest one I bought was definitely a Range Rover. 
Um, <laughs> so that so that was me growing up. You know, that was like my dream car. I was like, man, yeah. I want a Range Rover. Um, had it for six months, got rid of it. Hated it. Hated everything about it. You know, didn't like the feel of the car. It was way too big. Wasn't fast. Didn't fit me. And I was yeah. like, man, I just spent a lot of money on this car that I don't even want, you know? So, um, thank God I sold it early enough where I actually made good resale value on it. But at the same time I told my dad, I was like, yeah, that was dumb. You know, that was, why didn't you stop me? You know, but, um, yeah, that was, that was dumb. That was probably one of my dumbest purchases. The range. What color was it? Was it white or was it black? It was white. It, it had like, it was white, but with a blackout package. So it had like black accents, black rims with like a, the interior was sick. It was like a, it was like a beige and black interior. Yeah. Um, and then I got it wrapped in that black. Cause that's like, I wanted the the dark night, you know, that's, that's what I called it. You know, I wanted everything blacked out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, Range Rover. And then I did it and I was like, man, like I, I was loving it at first. And then after a while, I like really thought about it. I was like, dude, this is not me. Like, I do not like this, you know? So got rid of it and now I'm on to different things, you know? So for sure, man. And and speaking about your draft, I mean, talk about an absolutely stock draft class. And let me just name off some of the names. Casey Mize, ever heard of him? Disgusting. Alec Baum, ever heard of him? Disgusting. Jared Kalanick, disgusting at the game of baseball. Our guy, Grayson Rodriguez and you obviously, and Kyler Murray. How cool was – I mean, how weird is that to see – look back on the draft board and see that Kyler Murray was picked, like, three picks in front of you. How nasty was he? Because I always heard stories about he was just disgusting at the game of baseball. So he was really good. But the funny thing about that is that was the – every year there's a pick in the draft that just shocks everybody, whether yeah. it's how high you go, what team you go. That was it. You know, I remember sitting there on draft day, and and I had been hearing things about Kyler Murray going top 10. I'm like, man, I don't know. Like, I know he's good. I know he's a first rounder, but top 10, like, eh. Yeah. And he goes ninth. And I'm like, damn, you know. Um, but dude, that draft, you got Joey Bart, um, Ryan Weathers, Logan Colwin, Gilbert. Logan Gilbert. Logan Gilbert. It's yeah. And people don't breeze, people don't realize like if you look at our draft, look how many kids are making their debuts this year. You know, I think Kellnick's right behind them. And it's crazy to see that, like, that was two years ago. Dude, this yeah. draft is bananas. I'm looking at it right now. Nico Horner, Tristan Casas. Oh, my God, dude. Brady Singer? This draft yeah. is bananas. I think Jackson Coar went, too. I think yeah. he was in our draft. Yeah. Dude, wow, man. What a draft class. I mean, that's just – people are going to look back at this draft class, and obviously once you make your debut, and they're going to be like – I could be wrong here. I'm not a big, like, I'm not a big analytic stats guy, but this draft class is bananas, man. I mean, who's one guy that that's in this draft class right now that kind of stood out to you the most going up to the draft and one guy that you were like, this guy's going to go top five, first overall, whatever. Was it Casey Mize? Um, I, I think everybody knew Casey Mize is the only one. one. Um, I'm trying to think. I would go with Joey Bart. You know, that kid was one that, was like I, I told my agent I was like dude there's no way he doesn't go top two top three <laughs> yeah like he being a catcher is one thing um being how good he was defensively was great but I said that dude mashes baseballs man like yeah. he and look at him now he's in the show you know um so our our draft was definitely a big one I was nervous you know because I'm sitting there I'm like man we got a lot of good players you know, a lot, a lot of good players. So I think it was cool seeing me and Grayson Rodriguez go 
um, back to back, I believe. He went yeah. eleven, I went twelve. That's our guy. We just um, had him on. It was awesome, you know. And he he was one guy too that a lot of people didn't realize. But being from, he's another Texas guy. Like I heard a lot of buzz about him, you know. And I'm sitting there, and and I was fortunate. I was having a really good year, and I'm sitting there, and I was talking to my agent, like, who's one guy that's like really flying up the boards. And he was like, dude, Grayson Rodriguez is – because he – in the summer, he was 92, 94, I think. Yeah. Comes on the spring fucking 97, 98. Holy you know? shit. And I'm sitting there, and and I was like, what's going on? They're like, dude, scouts are electric over this guy. And I'm like, I always knew the kid was really good. You know, facing him, yeah. he, he carved me a couple of times. I'm like, dude, this kid's legit. You know, and funny story, actually, I faced him at the uh, – He's gonna be mad about this too because he's gonna hear about it. But I actually took him yard at the when we were juniors in high school going in our senior yeah. year. I took him yard at the Under Armour preseason, like the the tryout thing. Oh for yeah, all American for all game. American. Yeah. And I even told him afterwards, I was like, "Yeah, I had a home run off of you," but I was like, "Dude, you're you're legit. Like, I can just tell the the feel coming out of the hand, the spin. I was like, you're you're gonna play the game for a long time, you know. So seeing him go before me." was exciting, you know, and then going behind him was something, it it was special, you know, so two Texas guys going that live, you know, within a couple hours of each other is pretty special, so. Dude, it's just crazy looking at that, I mean, just looking at the amount of talent that they produce in Texas, and a guy that, and you went to high school there, what was it like, what's it like to high school baseball there? If you throw 92, are you one of the slow pitchers? So, I think people don't realize how good Texas baseball is, you know, they, you're not facing every two, especially with the team that we had with me and Kloppenstein. We had a lot of D1 guys, Preston Hoffer, Cody Wagner, people like that. Like we faced everybody's number one, you know? So every Friday night you got scouts in the stands, pack game. We got our guy, they got theirs, you know? And it wasn't, you know, this guy's on 82. It was, it was cloth 95, 97 against, uh, you got Eric Oaks. He goes, I think he's a blend now, junior college guy, but he was 91, 93, you know? So it wasn't, it wasn't like it was, you go Friday night and you're facing slow pitch, you know, it's, it's, it's a battle, you know? So yeah, Texas high school baseball is, it's not a joke. You know, there's a lot of really good athletes. Yeah, man. I just like, especially a guy like you that came out of high school and kind of didn't get to experience that university life, that division one life, obviously you don't regret it. But was a little part of you contemplating like, hey, man, I, if I go to school here, I might have a potential to be 1-1. I could be the first overall pick in the draft. Or was part of you just wanting to kind of experience what it's like to go to a massive, massive Division One school? Um, sorry about that. Can you no see me? Yeah. yeah. Um, I think at first my mindset was, yeah, I'm going to go to school. I'm going to do damage. And like you said, I want to be a top five pick. And then – once I realized kind of going into draft night where I stood, I had the possibility to go top 15 picks. I said, man, I'm going to take this and go with it. You know, yeah. this is an experience, especially with the money, all that stuff. Like I don't want to pass this up, go to college, get hurt. Never. I don't want to regret this, you know? So at that time, you know, I thought I'd really matured a lot over that, that draft year. Um, so I, my parents were with me. They're like, hey, if that's something you want to do and that's something you want to pursue, we're all for it. We support it. So whenever I got the calls, like, calls was the last thing on my mind. You know, I'm like, man, I'm going to sign. I'm going to take it off. I'm going to take off and run with it, you know? For sure, man. And and being a guy from Texas, like you said, I mean, it's so much – it's so far 
from Canada and all that kind of stuff. So was it kind of a culture shock for you when you came and visit Toronto? Like what was the first thing you noticed when you got off the airplane at Pearson International with the city of Toronto? What was the biggest difference that you kind of saw? I was like, man, this place is clean. Um, <laughs> it's weird to say that, but, you know, like riding the bus with the guys, big league guys going into Toronto, you know, Toronto is just a neat place. You know, it's, it's organized, it's clean, it's everything moves the right way. Um, it sucks because I didn't get to go out and like experience, experience Toronto because yeah. the bubble situation, but um, I can just tell and what everybody, the food's great. People are great. Like it's a, it's a great environment, you know? So um, I was definitely really excited to get up there and, and meet new people and, and get in that location. So. Yeah, no, it's crazy, man. And, and this is a question just based off analytics because Nate made his appearance. Does this now classify you as the number one prospect for the Jays? I'm not sure. I think they have Martin up there. Um, I don't know how that works, but I just, I just work here, man. I just show up every day and, <laughs> And I, I grind. You know, we're gonna call. We're gonna call you number one. We're gonna call you number one. We're gonna call you number one. I'll, I'll name it for you. You're the number one prospect for the Toronto Blue Jays. Congratulations. I'll be the first to. Thank you. There it is. You're the number one prospect, for Toronto Blue Jays. And I got a feel for this guy, Austin Martin, man, because you just hate to see it. The guy gets drafted by the Jays, who have Bobuchet, Kevin Biggio, Vladdy, you in the infield. It's a tough. It is gonna be tough for that guy to move up to the big leagues, unless obviously he's gonna move to the outfield. I'm assuming, but. When you were drafted and you kind of looked at this Blue Jays system, were you just like, holy shit? I was shit. hungry. I was hungry for it. I was excited. I was like, at first, I was like, man, it's going to be tough. But once I got here, I was like, man, this is – we're grinding. You know, this is something that's a possibility. And this organization is one of, one of the best, if not the best, in baseball. You know, I love it. You know, everything about it, the people, the coaches, everything, um, it's top notch. You know? Yeah. What is Austin Martin like, man? Because he gets drafted from Vandy. A massive draft pick kind of falls down a little bit in the draft board. It's supposed to go 1-1. Is he just a beauty? Is he just one of those guys that you just want to have a beer with? Yeah, he's a baller, man. Um, great dude. Great teammate. Um, you know, he's he's one of those guys that, you know, he could have gotten paid the amount of money and came in and tried to big league everybody and be a dick. But he came in, and, and he's a guy that – if you were to see him on the street, you never would know he had $7 million, you know, um, great dude, you know, comes grinds, loves to learn, um, asks a lot of questions. Um, he's doing well, you know, he, he had some COVID stuff going on. He was at the hotel. Everybody's at the game. He, he like had to stay at the hotel for a minute because his test had to come back or whatever shows up out of the parking lot, runs to the field, puts his fucking uniform on and rips a double, you know, (laughs) he's, he's just that guy, you know? So, um, he, he's, he's a special type of player, you know, and I think, I think he's going to have a long career in the big leagues. He's going to have a lot of, a lot of success. Um, and I'm excited for us to play together and then move up the ranks together. So, yeah, dude. And, and speaking about the signing bonus, man, I remember this, I think it was a couple of days ago. I was playing, I was playing Warzone, and I'm playing with Mickey Moniak and Bryson Stott on the Phillies and I'm doing the math here. I'm like, this is like $11 million in this chat, like in this party yeah. chat, including me. And I just feel like an absolute peasant. So when you're, when you're a first rounder like that and you get sent down to the minor leagues, obviously first, first thing in pro ball, are you kind of looking around being like, man, I have so much money, but I'm taking these shitty bus rides, eating PB and J protein bars. Did you kind of get that experience? I think what people don't realize is, 
it's all cool. You get paid, you get your thing. But at the end of the day, you're just like everybody else. You know, you put your pants on one leg at a time, you ride the same bus, you eat the same food, you're not special. Um, so that was the biggest thing for me. I was sitting there and I go to Bluefield, you know, my pregame food is the peanut butter sandwich with fucking Cheerios. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. so I'm sitting here and I'm like, this is because people told me, you know, I, I had guys from when I work out and, and they'd be like, Hey man, they're like, good for you. You got paid a lot, but they're like, just know, like you ain't special. You're just like everybody else, you know? And it's a grind, you know, it really is. People don't understand. They think we just, the fans just see us on the field. You know, they don't see the, the, the eight o'clock, the seven 30 game getting done at 1130. You get on the bus at 1145 and you drive six hours and you got to play a day game at 1130 the next day, you know? Yeah. So it, it's hard for sure, you know, because it's, it's a long season keeping your body in optimal and prime shape is big, you know, and it's hard because of the, I think our organization is really, really good because we have great nutritionists, you know, they do a really good job of making sure we're, we're fed on time. We get good food. Um, sometimes you can't help it. You know, the way the schedule is, you got to just cram a PBJ and a protein shake, but um, they do a really good job of taking care of us. Yeah. No, so. man, it, it, it's crazy. Like you said, because people don't really understand man. when you're in the minors, you're not making that much money. So you can't afford to be fueling your body with the kind of stuff that it needs. Right. So you got to respect, especially what a guy like you did in the minor leagues and, and growing up from Texas, here's a completely different question. Growing up in Texas, who's a guy that you kind of looked up to that you modeled your game after? Because what I kind of see out of you is, as, as a guy that's right now, like Trevor story, a guy that mashes baseballs. He's good defensively an electric factory off the field and on the field. That's what I kind of see with you. But who was a guy growing up that you idolized and looked up to? It's actually Trevor Story. Funny that you brought that up because he, when I was younger, I lived in Dallas and he played for the Dallas Patriots, and that's the organization I played for. Um, so I got I got to watch him and Josh Bell. Um, so those two guys were they were the prime example of basically what I did. You know, out of high school, minor league grind of the big leagues. You know, seeing what they did it made me hungry for it. You know, it's like, man, I'm sitting here and I'm watching these guys do it. And now I want to do the same thing, you know? So growing up, seeing those guys, I was like, man, like this is something I really want to do. And and why not do what they do? You know? So now look at them, you know, big league stars. Yeah, man. It's going to be Trevor story. If he hasn't already got paid, I don't know what the contract is. He is about to be just backing up the Brinks truck for that guy. Cause he is just, an unbelievable player has did he ever reach out to you after you got drafted or anything like that no nothing like that you know he's he's got his life big league guy you know um one guy that did reach out was Corey Seager um ever heard of him you know (laughs) just you know telling me you know stick stick to what I'm doing you know he said the process will pay off um at the end of the day you know you got to do what you got to do you got to serve your time in the minor leagues but he said once you get the opportunity you got to make the best of it and it's hard to get to the big leagues, but it's even harder to stay there. You know, that's what I think people don't realize is they think, oh, it's the journey to the major leagues. And then once you get there, you're just a big leaguer. Like, it doesn't work like that. You know, you got to get up there and you got to prove that you can stay and belong there. So um, he really made that that key, and, and that was big for me. So That is just – I mean, just Corey Seager, ever heard of him? Just an absolute maniac on the baseball field. And this is another thing about you that I kind of noticed is because you're such a bulldog on the field and you kind of have that mentality where you're like, fuck this other team pretty much, right? You're like, fuck these guys. Do you kind of feel like you get 
there's like a misconception about you in the minor leagues based on the fact that you kind of just don't give a fuck about anyone else in their team. It's just about your team and what you're doing that people kind of think maybe like fuck Jordan Groshans or stuff or stuff like that. I mean, there's definitely been those, those things been said, you know, and at the end of the day, like, I really don't care what people think, you know, <laughs> at the end of the day, like I'm going to do what I'm going to do and, and no one's going to change that. And if you don't like it, cry me a fucking river. You yeah. Know? So I think at the end of the day, like I just said, like I'm going to show up to the park every day. And, and I know when I step on the field in between the lines, like I'm the best guy on the field and that's my mindset, you know? And I think that's, that's what's helped me have success was that bulldog mentality. And I think you have to have that, you know, people that say, Oh, he's cocky or, He's overconfident. Like, look at the best stars in the game. Look at Tatis, perfect example. He's a savage. Yeah. But look what he does. He can do whatever he wants. He, he can be that savage because every day he shows up, he is the best player on the field. You know, so I think that's a, that's a big thing people don't realize is they're like, oh, you, you got to be humble. Yes, I'm a big, humble guy. I love to be humble. But at the same time, once you step in between the lines, it's game over. You know, it's, it's me destroying the pitcher. You know, I'm trying to absolutely mess up that dude's ERA, you know. Dude, I, like I said, you just love to see that. You love to see that kind of stuff on the field. And have you gotten close to – have you gotten verbal arguments with other teams before in the minors or just close to throwing hands? Because I love fights. I love bench-clearing brawls. We're a big Amir Garrett podcast. We've had him on. He's my boy. We love fights on the field. Have you been close to, like, let's say you got – someone threw in on you a little bit? So – Funny story is when I was in Bluefield my first year, Kirk, I was hitting behind him and we're playing the Yankees. And that I had, I've been, I got called up late for like the last two weeks and then playoffs. So I didn't really know like the rivalry and, and the feud that they had all year. And tie game, Kirk gets up and hits one to Mount Everest, you know, and he stands <laughs> there and he watches that ball go all the way into the forest. And he's sitting there and, and dude, the benches are about to clear and I'm up next and I'm like, oh, fuck I'm getting ear hold you know here it comes yeah and I get up there and first pitch is like behind me and I'm like all right and I look in the dugout and I look at my manager and he like kind of gives me that look of like we got you you know I'm like I looked at the dugout and I was like y'all motherfuckers better be ready and <laughs> next pitch comes out I ended up having a battle get a hit benches are this close from clearing you know there's managers are mother after each other all that stuff and I'm sitting there I'm like dude let's get it and the first baseman was actually, he was a really good guy. We had, because when I, this was like, I think this is the last game of the series. The first two games, me and him were tight. You know, I got, got good to know him, everything. And I'm sitting there and he's looking at me. He's like, dude, shit's about to go down. And I'm like, yeah, it's, it's going to happen. And not, it sucks as nothing happened because um, we we're going to get fined, I guess. But he's sitting there and he was like, who's one guy on this team that you don't want to mess with? And I was like, Kirk and DJ Neal. I was like, don't mess with those two guys. <laughs> I said, because Kirk's a savage, you know. And he was telling me, he's like, they have an outfielder, I guess, that got drafted, and he does, like, boxing and, like, MMA stuff for his off-season workouts. And he was like, yeah, stay away from that guy. So I'm sitting down first. I'm, I'm like, I, I'm looking at him, and I'm like, you, hey, you pick your couple guys on our team you're going for, and I said, I'll pick a couple on yours. So um, there's actually one – I think Kevin might have told you about it. There was a brawl in Lansing a couple years ago. No, I, I, he, didn't, he didn't tell us about that, no. And – it dude our manager got clocked like there was Holy there was shit. dude it was bad like it, it was against the indians Some, something happened bad bad juju everything came in and dude th this guy came in for the indians out of the outfield and was just throwing fucking haymakers you know he was <laughs> like 
dude, he, they said that he clocked one guy, ran around, got held back, broke loose, clocked another guy, and then ran up, and the manager was, like, trying to – and he went up and fucking clocked the manager. And I'm Holy like, Holy shit. Was and this there's, Mike there's Tyson? Was this Mike Tyson in the outfield? The, there's a video of it, and I can't remember. Damn, I can't – we were literally talking about this the other day, and I can't remember his name, but they were telling stories of, like, that kid – I guess back home, like he's, he's one of those guys that like doesn't care. Like he just will fucking beat anybody, you know? And <laughs> I'm sitting there and I'm like, dude, if I was there, I was like, I'm going after that guy. Yeah. You know, Cause at the end of the day, like, I'm not gonna let this dude clock through my teammates and get away with it. You know? Yeah. But they said this dude was like a raging bull. Like they, people were pushing and shoving, no punches were thrown. And this kid just comes out of right field, fucking swinging, you know? And <laughs> I'm sitting there. I'm like, man, if I was there, dude, shit would have gone down. I'm like, cause at the end of the day, like no matter what happens, like I'm protecting my pitchers, you know, yeah. like, cause at the end of the day, position players, we can handle our own. I said, these pitchers, like they can't really do a whole lot cause their career is their, their arm, you know, they throw yeah. one, break their hand, they're fucked. So at the yeah. end of the day, like if anybody comes after my pitcher, you're, you're dead, you know, like you're fucked. Dude, so exactly. they, they said it was, and this wasn't like a 10, like a five second, like it was like a five minute brawl. Like, they would break it up, and this dude would just come right back in. They had to, like – What the hell? They had to, like, fucking – six dudes had to, like, tackle this guy. Oh, I'm my like, God. That's, like, the definition of roid rage, dude. Like, that's insane. And I, you got to respect that. You got to respect that, though, right? I mean, I would run th- – I would do anything for a manager that would do that for his players, right? That go in there and just say, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw hands, too. Screw it. Like, you, you, those yeah. are the kind of guys you want to play for. And who would you say – is like a manager that you've played so far played with so far that you've kind of got the closest with in the blue Jays system. So Ken Huckabee, he's, he's supposed to be a triple A manager. He's like the, the head honcho here. Yeah. And he's a guy that I just know, like he was, he's a catch. He was a big league catcher. He don't put up with shit. You know, he's the guy that shit goes down. He's out there with you. You know, he's, he's going to do his job. He's going to do what he's supposed to do. He's going to try and break it up at the end of the day. If, if it goes south, He's on our squad, you know. So, um, yeah, I, I I love that dude. That's it's huge. So yeah, no, it's definitely good. It's definitely cool to have managers that kind of played in the majors and kind of understand. Like, fuck it. Like, I mean, those like the guys that are just like, if shit goes down, I'm not going to be that manager that says, guys, don't throw fights. I want to get fu- don't throw punches. I want I, I I don't want to get fined. It's guys that are like, I'm going to go in there and throw hands with the boys and all that kind of yeah. stuff, man. So a couple more questions here for you. I mean, especially this year, seeing all the guys from your draft class get called up, seeing all the guys from the alternate site get moved up and down, how, how tough is that for you, man? A guy that just absolutely mashes and has been doing so well. Is, how tough is that for you to not get that call up to the big show? Um, I think, I mean, it, it, there's days where I'm like, man, I wish it was me. But at the same time, like I said, like we're all, we all have one goal. You know, we're excited for everybody. But at the end of the day, like I know my role. You know, I know what I'm here for. I'm here to make up at bats. I'm here to get better. Um, I pretty much knew going into it this year, I didn't really have a chance to go into the show. Um, just because my experience where I've been at, I haven't really been to double A, triple A. Um, but I know my role. You know, I know what I'm here for. I know what I'm supposed to do. So I think that's kind of what's what's made it easier. Um, but with this year, you know, it's, it's COVID. Everything's going on. You never know. You know, they tell us that every day. It's like they don't matter what what level you're at, who you are. Like, if if the situation lines up and things happen. Like if you're the guy that that's available and you're the only guy that they can see doing 
what they need at the big league level, like you're going to go to the big leagues, you know? Sure. So yeah, for I sure. think that's you, what's made it a little easier. And you saw that, I mean, a couple of days ago with that guy on the Padres, he's never played above high a and he gets the call to the show and hits a nuke against the A's on yeah. Friday. So you just never really know what the game of baseball meant, especially if injuries happen and all that kind of stuff. And this is the, yeah, this is the second last question here. Since you got to play in spring training 2.0 and spring, and you got a little bit of a couple of bats spring training 1.0. Who's the kind of guy on the Jays for you that kind of took you under their wing that's on the big league roster right now? Probably Bo. Bo and Barucky. Um, those are two dudes that, you know, Barucky was more the life side of it. Um, how to act around big leaguers, how to go about your business around big leaguers. Um, knowing, like, you, like I said, knowing your role. Um, and then Bo was a big guy that when I went up to Toronto, I had that, I tried to do too much, um, had a little bit of failure. And he was, yeah, he said, man, listen, you're a prospect for a reason. You've done really well. He said, go into this with the right mindset of getting better, being the best player you can. So that next year you can light it up and have the opportunity to go to the big leagues. Um, so those two guys were big, big in helping me with my development, whether it's how to act around guys or my approach on the field. So, um, yeah, those are the two guys that were huge. Yeah, that's a big fish I need to get. Like, I need to get Boba Shed on this podcast. I feel like he would just be an electric factory. What's Boba? Oh, yeah. like? I mean, is he is he just as cool and as fly as he is on the field, off the field? Baller. That's all I got to say. The dude's <laughs> total package. Um, obviously a great dude. His dad's a great guy. Um, but, you know, he just he's one of those guys that that's where I kind of help give me my mindset of, when he goes on the field, he don't care who's pitching. You know, he pimps a home run. He don't give a shit. He's he goes out every day and he lets people know that he's the best player on the field. Um, and that that goes a long way in the game of baseball, man. So yeah, no, it's just it, it it's kind of cool looking at it. And and this is for the like the off field stuff for Bo because if you're good if you're a good athlete in Toronto, you can literally get into any bar you want. You whenever have to pay for a drink. So I don't know if Bo's married or whatever or with a girlfriend or whatever, but this guy better have security when he's in Toronto because every single female in this city wants he's Bo be all over him. Oh he, yeah, he's the hottest commodity here. He he's first of all, and I I was about to do a stat every time Bo Bichette plays a game in Toronto. What the pregnancy rate is nine months after because it has to just be electric. Because this guy is just incredible on the baseball field. Were you kind of starstruck at the beginning when you met Bo? Like, you're just because of how big he was? At first, I was nervous. You know, I was like, I don't want to mess this up. You know, I don't want to. But at the end of the day, like, he didn't even hesitate. You know, he knew who I was. He took me under his wing. He helped me out, um, helped me with the game, off the field, stuff like that. So I think that was huge, you know, because at the end of the day, like, he didn't have to do that. You know, he could have looked at me and been like, fuck this kid. You know, this kid might be coming after my job or didn't, but he didn't, he didn't even hesitate. You know, he, he went straight to helping me, helped me get better because at the end of the day, he, he wants to win, you know, and he knows that the youth movement and everybody coming up is going to be a part of that. And, and he knows that we're all going to be teammates one day and he's trying to make the best of that and, and make everybody the best player and people they can be getting up there. So dude you the things you're saying on this podcast make me want to just jump out a window i'm so fired up and it's awesome <laughs> you love to see it and uh this yeah this is the last question here it's a two-parter one can you say this is the most electric baseball podcast you've ever been on because i feel like this has been going great i feel like we're two like we're two peas in a pod here yes 100 percent. i think it's fun and electric because a lot of them they're they're serious you know it's yeah it's strictly baseball and stuff like that. Yeah, I think you brought good life to it. And I think that's something that 
people get away from in the game of baseball because they they're so by the book you know they want everything to do and line up how it's supposed to be and they don't think about the other factors going into it you know yeah for sure man and put that on my fucking resume jordan groshans <laughs> says this podcast is doing it the right fucking way you just love to see that like i'm just fired up the fact that you said that and the next one here is is can you let me know when you get called up first, just so I can mentally prepare? And this is what I say to all the guests I have, all the, all the big prospects like you. Just send me the either one, the eye emojis, or two, just the Drake gift saying, let's go, just so I know you're getting the call. I'm, gonna, I'm obviously going to tell my parents all that stuff, but then yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to surprise you. I'm, I got something good. You're, you'll, you'll know. It'll okay. be good. <laughs> I'm fired up. I'm fired up. This is what I said to Anthony Bass, and I'm going to say this to you, okay, because Josh Donaldson, he's my hero, my idol, the guy that I obviously – he kind of made this game – playing baseball for the Blue Jays, cool. Can you do this? Because he's gone now. Every time you hit a home run, when you step on home plate, you throw up the six, like Josh Donaldson used to do. I don't know if you remember. He used to kiss and go six in the air for the city of Toronto. No one is doing that now. Anthony Bass doesn't even do it after a save. Like he promised he would, he didn't do it. So can you kind of embrace that and just blow up the city here with that? Just know I'm calling it right now. Homer debut, six at the plate. Let's go, dude. Easy money. Easy Hell money. yes, dude. Okay. And there you and have just, a- just know, just know that I said it here first. Okay. Said it here first. So you, so you, you can be the guy that, that no matter what anybody says, you know, that I called it to you. And okay. so you, you, you know, watching that game, being there, whatever the case is, when that happens, you can be like, this motherfucker really said that. <laughs> well, he I'm going to be there. I'm going to be at your debut. Write it down, etch it in stone. I want to be at Jordan Groshan's debut because let me say this. Let me end the podcast with this. You are one of the most misunderstood guys in the game of minor league baseball because of how good you are and how confident you are in your game. And I just want to say thank you for hopping on this podcast. And I'm so f- fucking excited to see what you do for the city of toronto see what you do for the blue jays man and you're one of the good guys in the system that i'm obviously rooting for and i'll probably have your jersey hung hanging up on this wall behind me in the podcast room appreciate it man thank you it means a lot um let me know we can do it again run it up thank you for listening to officially unofficial make sure you guys subscribe and leave a review on itunes and follow us on twitter at a fish on a fish pod and on Instagram at officially unofficial pod. Thank you.